Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It's truly appreciated. Cannot thank enough everybody out there that watches and listens. And if you can, please help us out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Go ahead and like us, subscribe to us, follow us, do it anything you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, The Happy Hoarder, Humanican Media, Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, everything that we do in regards to pop culture, the latest news and trends in pop culture, and also, of course, the tabletop RPG action. We truly appreciate you doing anything you can to support us today at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse or a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, indeed, Melinda here, she is going to be going ahead and popping on, hopefully in the near future, maybe on Monday's show. But I wanted to go ahead and pop in a familiar face to the pop culture cosmos scene. My good friend, indeed. He is the man that started the pop culture cosmos with me in 2016. And all those years later, he's come back after many, many episodes away. He is back in the... Good graces of the pop culture cosmos back in the routine again. It is my good friend indeed. He is the man behind the happy hoarder. Got to go ahead and check him out today, wherever you get your happy hoardness at the happy hoarder on social media and also the happy hoarder website. It is Josh the Legend 16, Josh Peterson, and Josh. It's the Friday show, man. Good to have it you is. here, my friend. Yes, I haven't been on this for a long time. Also, I'm not just the man behind the happy hoarder. Currently, I'm the man in front of the happy hoarder. If you look behind me, there's a lot of happy hoarder stuff over there. That's true. And you just said you were on Whatnot, did a show there. So people can check that out. I'm so happy for you, man. You're moving and and grooving when it comes to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing more and more and more of the stuff that you've got going on with the happy hoarder. But please... Again, support the Happy Hoarder today. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great collectibles. And if you've got someone in your life that loves a lot of great pop culture stuff, there's no better place to get it from than the Happy Hoarder indeed. But we've got a great show lined up for you. We've got a lot of things to talk about on today's program. Stuff that's coming out this weekend as far as games. Why did the Flash disappoint? Nintendo stuff. Tell you, man, it never stops here as far as pop culture. But let's start off with the Flash. I want to go ahead because that's been a flashpoint of conversation, my friend, when it comes to why the Flash disappointed. Also, Elemental from Pixar as well. But both last weekend had terribly disappointing results on a worldwide basis and also domestically here in the U.S. I know all the fingers are starting to be pointed at why this went wrong from the head of Warner Brothers himself, uh, David Zaslav, who I guess was uh, not there originally when this movie was being made, but championed it and sported it and provided a lot of advertising board, but unfortunately was enough to Ezra Miller and their involvement in some, you know, I guess uh, what we've been talking about over the past few months about all the, Uh, allegations and the things that they have been in court for as far as all the problems that they've created off camera. So I'll ask you, my friend, you've seen the flash. You've experienced the flash as a kind of like flashpoint. I said, and first off, I think it came at a very weird time in the DC universe. I thought it should have come out two years from now and not now because it doesn't really do much right now for anyone. But your thoughts on the Flash and why it disappointed at the box office? Uh, so I, it's weird because I hadn't actually until you know today I hadn't heard that it was disappointing because I went and I, I enjoyed it. It was a good you know popcorn flick. It it wasn't amazing. It wasn't like my favorite superhero movie, but I I did enjoy it. My kids enjoyed it. Um, 
you know, it's funny because I coming out of it, I could I thought to myself, hmm, I could see like why people wouldn't go see this movie. It doesn't really have anything to do with Ezra Miller. I think that that's kind of a it's, it's kind of a cop out right now for they're like, oh, wait, let's wait until let's see what the movie does. And if it does bad, then we'll blame it on Ezra Miller. But if it does well, then, you know, Ezra Miller will be back in the good graces. I could tell you that a lot of people were not going to go see the film because of the controversies and the off court, uh, I guess, uh, legal incidents that Ezra Miller was a part of that took place that you and I have even talked about on the show way back when. Right, right. But like I see that kind of thing like it. I don't know. I don't feel like it would stop true fans of the DCU from going to see that. I think it was more in the hands of um, James Gunn, you know, and him moving on to this new DC platform and making these last films like Shazam, I think, suffered greatly from this making these last three DCU films feel irrelevant in the wake of this coming uh, Colossus. Absolutely. When you've already talked about your plans for the future already and outlined it in detail, and it looks like already that you've segmented a good part of what's upcoming in the next couple years for something that's already bought like on a legacy or something, or they're already supposed to be, irrelevant on arrival or less right. irrelevant on on arrival than the, what they would have been or when they you know what they were going to be when they were made makes it so that it doesn't need to watch and i've said this before to you it's like you know what what importance what reason do i have to go ahead and go out to theaters and see the right. flash why is it important and, or meaningful to me at this point in time if you're already going to go ahead and create an all new basis for the dc universe Right. And I think that so this movie, from what I understand, like it went through so many cuts and reshots trying to shape it into uh, what is essentially going to be the future of the DC universe on film. And from it sounds like the movie that that was a that could have been is a lot better than the movie that was, um, you know, especially talking about the uh arrival of jeffrey dean morgan playing uh batman's dad the henry cavill uh cameos in there that I, all sounded like it could have been really great but this movie suffered from the same thing that you know some of the marvel movies suffer from is like trying to set up for the next big thing i think it's so funny though still i've always i think you and i talked about this about how uh you know like you said he he played uh, thomas wayne and and laurie cohen his co-star on The Walking Dead now playing actually play actually the debut episode of Dead City uh, debuted to some decent numbers for them uh, at on AMC this past weekend. Those two, <laughs> I think it was a troll on on Walking Dead fans originally why they were actually included in that Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne segment so long ago in the Snyderverse. I just thought that was a troll on. On the Walking Dead fans originally, I'm just—I oh, know absolutely. I'm going off a tangent. I just thought no. I'm just—I agree. They were probably pretty excited about that. Yeah, I, if I ever get a chance to interview them, that's exactly what I'm going to ask them. I'm going to say, "Was that a troll?" You know, <laughs> come on. It's not like you two didn't know that you weren't going to go that you were going to go ahead and be part of the Snyderverse. Yeah, come on, come on. But yeah. Not, uh, need I digress on that? I will say, though, that, again, The Flash, uh, you know, this is a movie that, like you said, with the, with the reshoots and all the, the costs that are involved, looks like a, a movie that might have cost as much as $300 million. So to get less than half of that on a worldwide basis after its first weekend has got to be truly disappointing for Warner Brothers. Yeah, so I don't... I don't regret my time watching it. Like it did have some really cool things in it. It was, it had some funny jokes, but then you get to the end of the movie and you see that they are in fact trying very hard to set things up. Like the, the end credit scene, basically, <clears throat> you know, I won't go into too many spoilers, but it basically cements uh, Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa as the flash and aquaman moving into james gunn's universe like they and, and that was something that was insane. made after the fact with james gunn correct correct yes absolutely and 
you know, they ended up with, uh, you know, Michael Keaton was amazing in this movie. Like, it was really fun seeing him, hearing that Batman soundtrack from uh, Tim Burton's masterpiece mm-hmm. playing as they approach the mansion. Danny from, Elfman. Yep, yep. And from what I understand, I was reading something. Uh, Kevin Smith had said if The Flash was successful, they were going to move into doing a Batman Beyond film, which could have been cool. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but um, it does sound like it would have been really cool. And Michael Keaton is at that age where he could have played a really good older and hurt Bruce Wayne. Oh, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case now because everything DC is putting out there is going to be a flop. So I'm asking you this, my friend, with Black Adam, Shazam, and now The Flash, disappointing at the box office. Is it time to go in a new direction with all this other stuff that they had planned over the course of the next year, year and a half or so? I know the Joker 2, that's going to come out. I also know that the Batman 2, those were the two hits of the past four years or so that you might want to keep on the slate. But is everything else just needs to be just set aside so that James Gunn can already go ahead and start a universe and see if it's going to live or die or be a success or fail? You know, it's weird. I was thinking about this. I am actually really excited for Blue Beetle. Uh, I saw a trailer for that during the Flash. Looks looks great. That's coming in August. But that's also that that was something that was going to be set up for Max Television. But Mm -hmm. it was it tested and screened so well that they thought let's put this out in the theaters and see if it sticks. Yeah. As for Aquaman, I think that it would be a better idea to release something in the James Gunn universe first and then release aquaman seeing how he is part of the james gunn universe moving forward that way you're not creating this thing where you're like it it, there is so much uncertainty right now between the flash and uh you know superman legacy i think it was called Mm -hmm. uh there's just a lot of we're in a very like weird space here so it would make more sense to put aquaman after superman and then that kind of will create that continuity and remove that feeling of pointlessness that you might have from going to see aquaman and let's be honest like the first one was fun but it was not great you know i don't blame you a bit for under you know saying that uh and uh you know the aquaman movie which earned over a billion dollars at the box office obviously the sequel is is supposed to have those kind of expectations but what if that fails what if that disappoints the box office just because like we were talking about, my friend, even though those after screen credits have, you know, Aquaman, even though he has said he there's a possibility that he could become Lobo instead of Aquaman, it kind of makes it going back and forth. Again, does it does it make Aquaman, Aquaman 2 irrelevant when we see it? Well, so as as far as like the Lobo rumors go, I don't think that because right now they have cemented him as Aquaman, like in in the coming film. So it would be weird to have him do that. But also that's something, though, that's reported that he wanted to do. Remember, he actually went on uh, social media and all that. Right. Yes, he did say he wanted to do it, but it wasn't confirmed. It would be cool if he did. He but, came uh, out of the DC Warner Brothers studios so excited about something that, you know, mm-hmm. that would change forever, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that with the Flashpoint, it's not smart to release any films in between the Flash and Superman. I, I, th- I just think that's not a good idea. Those movies should be shifted and move- Blue Beetle, Aquaman should be moved after a release in the James Gunn universe. Because, okay. yes, it does create a feeling of pointlessness. Why am I here? And that's something I think that's they need to be aware of, you know, going forward for all the stuff that they're bringing out over the next two, three years until they get to the James Gunn stuff is the fact that everything that is going to be upcoming in the DC Universe may seem irrelevant. Even the Constantine reboot or the Constantine delayed much uh you know wanted and desired by many of us out there that actually saw it even though the movie itself didn't do great numbers Mm -hmm. you know with keanu reeves there could be a possibility there's there's no longer a need or desire for that movie because that movie hasn't even been filmed yet even though it's still planned out 
after the results from the flash that could that movie and some other projects could be in peril as well yeah that's that's very true i mean fortunately for a movie like constantine joker 2 batman 2 like those movies are pretty good at being able to be self-contained tell me if i'm wrong but they really need to nail this like superman movie on the head if they want anybody to care anymore and i agree with you on that uh, you know you have been a much bigger fan of the superman movies than i have uh, in fact I'm, I'm not even just very fond of the superman character as a whole although henry cavill as it trended towards the end of his time with superman i really started to think you know i could deal with this you know mustache mm -hmm. issues aside uh, ben <laughs> affleck uh, i actually kind of like ben affleck and i hear he is actually good in the flash as mm -hmm. well in his limited role there i'm gonna miss seeing him as far as on the screen in that role as well i'm just thinking that maybe not all these moves are good ones that are be upcoming in the dc universe yeah i think there's a lot of and it, it as is apparent in um the flash basically gives you a chance to say goodbye to ben affleck you get a chance to say goodbye to Gal Gadot, but you don't get a chance to say goodbye to Henry Cavill, which leads me to believe that a lot of this, a lot of these like changes, mm -hmm. it's due to studio ego. Like it, it really is like these people, the fans really loved these characters and the studios don't like it when the fans know best. So they, you know, especially when it comes to Henry Cavill. So I this it's it is I think a lot of the mix up is studio ego and I I mean I could be wrong but that's just what it feels like from just the way that the story has unfolded over the past couple of years. So some disappointing numbers indeed for the Flash uh, and you know, not to mention Elemental which also had what the lowest per dollar opening of a Pixar movie ever at the box office and a very sad to see that and uh, it's a very ninja release though like nobody really yeah. knew that this was coming out well the one i didn't know about is the teenage kraken movie that's coming out next week alongside indiana jones and the dial of destiny i had no idea until i actually said and you know me i try to keep on at top of everything mm -hmm. uh every, I, that i didn't even know about until i sat and watched spider-man across the spider-verse the other day at the theaters and i saw a trailer for it and i'm like oh when is this coming out <laughs> on the happen? 30th yeah and that's not like that's uh the kiss of death right there for a movie to be sent out like that okay whatever and then uh you have again spider-man across the spider-verse doing great numbers once again for a movie everybody seems to like and enjoy i think this movie was the spider-man really the marvel i guess you could say marvel even though it's sony marvel Marvel really got the jump on DC this time around with the superhero movies. Yeah, it's true. And they, they've always kind of had that spot, too, with, um, you know, Snyder's Justice League cut like it. That seemed like it was going to be a turning point. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, all the studio stuff started happening and whatever, like, climb up the ladder they were about to have, you know, the ladder was shattered. So now I don't I don't foresee unless, you know, again, this James Gunn Superman movie is amazing coming out the gates. I don't I don't know how they're going to compete in this race. I'll tell you what, though, my friend, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen later on with the DC Universe and how it shapes out. But we want to hear your thoughts on why The Flash disappointed at the box office, Elemental as well. And hopefully there'll be some movies on the way that actually do a little bit better at the box office. But Tell us your thoughts on where we stand with the DC Universe. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. I wanted to ask you, when it comes to this weekend, another game release, because video games are still hot off the press when it comes to the news. It's been an amazing year with games. Let's, let's yeah. just, like, it's been almost overwhelming. Remember we said 2017 was, like, big releases? 2017, is, yes. Mm -hmm. This, this is, like, 10 times more than that. 
this will probably end up being a top five uh, video game year in history. Uh, and I can tell already, like you said, 2017 was outstanding. 2007 still head and shoulders for not only the amount of releases, but also the amount of influential releases that influenced the gaming industry for the next decade plus. Uh, yeah. So to me, 2007 still is number one, but this is shaping up to be a fantastic year. And it just got a little bit better for PlayStation fans as Final Fantasy 16 hits shelves and also digital downloads this weekend. So my friend, as someone who is totally confused by, and ha always has been, by the overarching themes and overarching storylines, if there is any, with Final Fantasy, and just cannot understand why Square Enix just has no desire to do things in a chronological fashion all the time. It just seems like they just throw a number or they just throw out a game and they just throw Final Fantasy in front of it. And there you go, because it's such a brand name. It's such a brand existent that people will buy it just because it says the word Final Fantasy. But with Final Fantasy 16, it's getting some really solid reviews. Again, with the confusion aside in regards to Final Fantasy VII and the remake, which is different from the Final Fantasy VII Reborn that's going to come out later, <laughs> kind of confusing again, but I want to ask your thoughts on Final Fantasy XVI as it enters the gaming space this weekend. So I am actually very excited. I have not played the demo yet because I don't want to spoil the experience when the game comes out. So I'm going to pick my copy up tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the rating, the reviews across the board have been pretty solid for this one. This is actually supposed to revolutionize the Final Fantasy franchise as being like the first um, action-oriented battle system that we have in the game. So the, the combat was actually made uh, by the director of Devil May Cry which is, you know, very, very fast-paced, stylistic battles. And, you know, that's something that we're all looking forward to. The story is very dark, very mature. You know, if you look at it, it kind of outlines, like, some of the social political struggles that we're dealing with today. You know, of, of course, like, every Final Fantasy revolves around a crystal and people fighting over the crystal and the power that it has. So that is kind of an overarching theme. I don't know too much about the story except, um, you know, again, they're fighting over a crystal, but the, the combat does look amazing. The, the summons look really cool. Just like the, the tone of the game makes it look like it has grown up tremendously, um, especially compared to Final Fantasy 15, which was just buddies on a road trip. And that game suffered from being released incomplete, having a lot of the DLCs canceled and, um, just not coming out to amazing fanfare. This one has an 88 Metacritic score as of press time today, which is obviously a great score. So it's very highly thought of in the world of Final Fantasy. And you talk about having more action, which is again, you know, in our long discussions in regards to Final Fantasy over the years, I've said for me as a stopper right there, as fact is that it was an RTS, uh, you know, it really de-emphasized de action and consistent fluid action in the gameplay. And now it has evolved to the point where action is becoming a major part of the gameplay. It has not gotten to a full third-person actioneer yet, but it seems like Final Fantasy is trending in that direction, whether fans may like it or not. Yeah, and every game has been moving more and more in that direction. I think Final Fantasy X was like the last um, fully turn-based Final Fantasy entry. Then there was 12 and uh, 13, 15. Like each of these games slowly have evolved into more action-oriented gameplay. And finally, I think that we are here. You know, I, I always look at action what do you call it? like action RPGs, action, action games. I look at Devil May Cry as being the pinnacle of that because the, the fighting is so cool. It's so smooth. It's stylistic. It looks beautiful. And from what I've seen in the demos and the videos online, like they have hit the nail on the head with this. And oh, the good. story, 
because the story is absent of Tetsuya Nomura, this uh, looks like it might be the first understandable Final Fantasy in years. And that's something that might interest me because, you know, the cohesiveness of this whole overarching Final Fantasy has been probably a reason why I do not want to go ahead and, and be a part of it because of the fact that there's just, you know, where do you start? Where do you get into it? Where is exactly so this may be a good starting point for people like myself that have wanted to stay away from the turn based action, which might have appeared slower to many out there. So I want yeah. to say that it's it's something that though it Final Fantasy is one of the biggest brand names in the gaming industry. So I'm very happy that Final Fantasy 16 is getting the kind of love that it is. Yeah. And let me just put this out there. The Final Fantasies, none of them are connected. They're all different games. Like I don't, that's And that's the part of the problem. Yeah, me. and there's this, I don't know what the obsession is with the, the numbered entries, the Roman numerals. I think they need to just drop those completely because it does make the game franchise seem inaccessible, right? Because, you know, like you said, you, you don't know where to start. So I... I do think that they need to just go back to Final Fantasy 1 and then say, like, Final Fantasy Journey of the whatever. You know, do little subtitles instead of instead of numbers or just reboot the numbers completely. A yeah, lot Mortal Kombat. Right, right, exactly. I, I think the, the biggest thing Final Fantasy has suffered from over the years is having these um, convoluted storylines. You know, like I said, Tetsuya Nomura, who is directing the Final Fantasy remakes, he is... I don't know, like in his head, I'm sure a lot of this stuff makes sense. But if you've played Kingdom Hearts, you know, this person's heartless and that person's heartless. This person's heartless is heartless. Like it, it, none of it makes any sense. And by the time you get to the end of the game, you're like, oh, okay. I mean, that happened, but I don't, I don't trace why any of this happened. And that's kind of what's happening in Final Fantasy, especially Final Fantasy Remake. And but I, it, I guess it, it looks cool, and that's the thing that is cool about it. And it's just nostalgia, but yeah, I don't know. I think that we, yeah, they do need to move away from the numbers, try to make the game more accessible because as more and more entries come out, you're gonna see the younger fans that have been playing it, they're growing up, and you're not going to get younger ones in there because of you know exactly what you said, you don't know where to start, and the numbers are very intimidating. Plus, the turn base is is a very segmented audience these days. Turn base back when you started playing Final Fantasy or late 1990s when the Final Fantasy, yeah, that was something that people were very interested in. But again, we're seeing more with I don't know how you would say the Souls games. Mm-hmm. I guess it's now one of the more leaned upon, more enduring more interesting styles of gameplay no matter what the difficulty spike is people yeah. seem to be more interested in that type of format and i'm looking at at right now all the the images on screen i'm looking at gameplay as we're talking about this and this seems more like it's down that road and that they've learned that they might want to go ahead and go this direction for the foreseeable future yeah exactly and the great thing about like the souls like games is the the game only stops when you die. And in some of the older Final Fantasies, you know, a turn base, the game stops every time you fall into a battle. This Final Fantasy 16 looks great because the game only stops when you die. You know, I want to go in there and just flail away or use my magic or whatever. And that's right. why it really was the main reasons why I could not ever get into the Final Fantasy series. But it looks like that has changed. Yeah, so this is definitely, it looks like a good getting on board point if you're someone who's been interested in the Final Fantasy games or interested enough to like watch it and been like, oh, maybe one day I'll play it. This looks like it's going to be the one that you've been waiting for. What are your thoughts out there on Final Fantasy 16 as it comes to the PlayStation? Now is the time for anyone out there that may be interested in the Final Fantasy series has been hesitant to do so because of its gameplay style needs to take a look at ff16 it's scoring great and it looks like it's going to be a big hit on the playstation so what are your thoughts out there on final fantasy 16 let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. My friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching, listening. Truly appreciated. And I guess video games is still on the mind, like we talked about. Again, we just talked about Final Fantasy 16. We had all those great video game announcements and updates, totaling about, I think, 500 over the past few weeks. So what did we need, Josh? Mr. Josh the Legend 16? We needed more another games. Yeah, more games announced because Nintendo didn't have their say until they decided they they waited until everybody finished what they were doing and they said, "Okay, our turn with their monthly direct and they did come out with a little bit stronger Nintendo Direct than normal in June Nintendo's Direct, but it was still comparatively speaking compared to the Xbox and maybe even the Summer Game Fest, I think both those had a little bit better showcases, but I think this was better than the PlayStation Showcase. That's for sure, my friend. What are your initial thoughts before we round off and talk about some of the major announcements during that? What are your thoughts on Nintendo, the Nintendo Direct and how it measured up against the other big conferences and showcases? I'm not talking about all the other showcases because, oh man, there were dozens of showcases the big showcases on display in the past few weeks. It was pleasantly surprising. As far as like how it stacks up against the others, I think that this one, this one was very satisfying. You know, like I, I, we went into this, everyone always wants, you know, three things, right? They want a new Donkey Kong. They want a new Metroid and they want a new Mario. Here we got what four or five new Mario announcements uh, we got an announcement for a, a 2D plus remake of Star Ocean Second Story, Pikmin 4. Like there was a lot of things that really just came out of left field, you know, and we're getting a lot of those games. This is where they topped those other conferences. They gave us stuff with dates of this year, and I'm excited about that. Mario RPG has the turn-based combat, but it looks really cool, right? We saw the way that Mario comes to life and he's jumping over things and you have that cool looking battle screen. I don't know. I'm, I am excited. I still need to finish tears of the kingdom, but like this stuff, man, like I, my stack of games is going to steadily grow before the year's over. So let me go and let everybody know the big reveal was a super Mario brothers wonder. It's a 2d Mario adventure that's the first 2D Mario adventure, the side-scroller adventure to appear on a Nintendo platform brand new like this in well over a decade. And it's coming out in October. And I know it, what I saw looked pretty good. And I know a lot of people are going to enjoy that. I know Super Mario RPG, like you were talking about, a remake of it is announced for this year as well for no November. So you're getting back-to-back -back Mario in successive months. You're also getting some Detective Pikachu and Detective Pikachu 2. That's something that I think that caught people by surprise. You're also talking about the third-party stuff when it concerns Metal Gear Solid Collection, the Batman Arkham Asylum Collection. Those were good stuff that was announced, but it was the Nintendo stuff that caught my eye, like the WarioWare Move It. It's going to bring the the micro games as far as the party to that, as far as the, the micro game stuff to to switch the mini game stuff to to the switch in november you also got uh, like you said pikmin 4 if you're really into the pikmin series pikmin is going to go ahead and uh, be what i think available for a demo on the 28th of this month and it's going to be july 21st is going to be coming out so a lot of good stuff even pokemon it's got some stuff going down not only with pikachu 2 but also as well with Scarlet and Violet getting DLC and Tears of the Kingdom and Mario Kart 8, two of their biggest hits ever, also are getting DLC as well. Yeah, and the announcement that they're working on a Princess Peach-centered video game, which I don't know about you, but I'm I'm intrigued by this because... Well, she was such a big part of the movie, that's not surprising. 
Right. But everyone has always said, man, she should have her own game, but no one has ever specified like what that game should be like. So I'm really curious to know, like, what what does that look like? It sounds fun, but will it be? I'm pretty sure it will. I'm pretty excited for that. I think a lot of people were really high on what, uh, you know, Princess Peach's character was doing in the Super Mario Brothers movie and how big a heroine uh, she was in the movie and how important she was to the overall film on that. So I'm really happy that she's getting her own game finally. Luigi's also getting a remaster of Dark Moon, Luigi's Mansion. That'll be coming out. But again, some really good announcements. The third-part announcements are they're there, hit and missed, and, and some old packages that are just being repackaged up for, for the Switch audience. That seems to be always with Nintendo the problem, uh, uh, except for the Wii. The Wii third parties found the Wii and love the Wii, whether we liked it or not, with all the shovelware involved. But the Nintendo Switch, for all the 100 million plus units it sold and all the things it's done for as far as the first party side, the third party side in this Nintendo Switch generation, even after today's Nintendo Direct, I think is still somewhat lacking. Yeah, this is true. I remember working at Best Buy when the Wii came out and like Xbox and PlayStation 3 had maybe two to three releases every week, whereas I was putting out 10 games plus a week on the Nintendo Wii, putting them out on the shelves. This, the Switch definitely is not anywhere close to that. I think a lot of the stuff gets um, kind of like a shadow release on the Nintendo Switch Marketplace. And a lot of it goes on sale pretty quick. But, yeah, you don't see a lot of that, especially in, like, physical releases. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I am interested in exactly what's going on as an owner of a Switch. I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming up, including <laughs> the speaking of third parties. You, you have Just Dance 2024. I just got 2023 for my girls. And they absolutely love it at a discounted price. I, You know, so 2024 coming out. I don't know if that's going to be better because 2023 has the nice song set. So we'll see what happens there. But some interesting stuff, uh, you know, outside of Nintendo's first party stuff. But again, to me, I think, you know, when you see the, the usual suspects alongside the first party games, whether it be a Zelda or a Mario, you usually see a Sonic game, which was announced alongside as far as Sonic Superstars. That's coming to the Nintendo Switch. Persona 5, Tactica, that's coming to the Switch. Mario and Rabbids, Splatoon 3. Some of the usual standbys. It'd be nice to see if we could see something that on a third-party standpoint would be really surprising to see. Something out of the box. Like, let's say, like, Call of Duty. Or let's say something like, you know, uh, just just some type of third-party killer game that's on the other big systems that would get a release on the Nintendo switch. I would love to see, I know a while back Phil Spencer was talking with the um, CEO of Nintendo about getting games passed on the switch. That would be huge. That would be absolutely. That would be something very, very uh, intriguing per se. I mean, you know, all the different platforms that games pass is already on, which is actually, unfortunately for everybody out there, I do have to give them the news that games pass is going to get a price hike of a couple dollars a month for most uh, areas around the world. Plus also in, in a lot of areas around the world, the Xbox Series X is also going up in price as well. So that's not exactly the best news I want to go ahead and correlate, but it is happening in the not too distant future as they announced today. So other than that, I would love to see the Games Pass go on that because we already see it on other platforms, televisions, computers, you know, it'd be great to see Games Pass go on a platform that has over 100 million sold. Yeah, exactly. And nobody's really buying Switches anymore. And I think that putting the Games Pass on the Switch could see an increase in console sales, at least until the new Switch comes out. Are you sure no one's buying Switches anymore? I know the sales are not what they used to be. I mean, now that you've, they've it's... you know plateaued, but it's it's not they're not buying them as frequent as they used to like i know people bought a lot when the zelda switch came out but that's because it has a, a collector's value to it okay fair enough uh but i do think that there is still a little bit of life left in the switch uh and i think that obviously as far as on the software end especially for nintendo 
they're going to bring out the Super Mario Brothers worlds and also, you know, the Super Mario RPG remake. And I think those are going to do gangbusters. Plus, Zelda is doing tremendously on that platform. So I think on the software side, there's still plenty of time left for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's going to be a good, good holiday season coming up here. Oh, no doubt indeed. But we want to hear your thoughts on the June Nintendo Direct. Was it everything you were hoping for? Was it everything that you wanted? Was it everything that you needed to see? Or did you want something more? I still wanted something more, especially on the third party side. But overall, I thought it was okay. Thought it was pretty good, and I thought it delivered what it needed to deliver because the fact is, a lot of these games, the majority of these games, are coming out this year. So that's really a big plus for Nintendo that it has the advantage over PlayStation and Xbox. So we want to hear your thoughts on how well Nintendo did for its June Nintendo Direct. Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. I wanted to mention that also this weekend on FX is a show which you, if you haven't seen it before, it's in season two. It's called The Bear. The title kind of is different than what the series is actually all about. It actually was based in a restaurant as far as a drama. It's actually thought of very well last year in its first season. Highly acclaimed, actually in Emmy consideration in several categories. Season two is actually trending at a 90 on Metacritic. Have you had a chance to see or check out or hear anything uh, as far as the bear is concerned for season two, which takes it a little bit out of the restaurant, but still right there as far as good stuff, according to the critics? I don't know if it was you, but somebody had recommended this show to me and I just hadn't had a chance to sit down and watch it. It might have been you, but I'm not sure. But yeah, it is. It's on it's on my radar, but I do. I just I haven't seen any of it, but I've heard great things. It's been really highly rated. I haven't a chance to check it out either, but I, I've mentioned on, on the show before about how highly rated it is. So I know it's probably going to be an easy watch if I if I burn through it. And with the writer strike going on, unless, uh, I guess, uh, doc, TV that's, that's not live or not reality-based is going to be something that, if you're looking for dramas, if you're looking for comedies, if you're looking for stuff that's not live or reality-based, I think that you're going to be finding a lot harder and harder stuff to find. So that'll give you more of an opportunity to go ahead and check out stuff like the bears. So I'm hoping people give the bear a chance because again, it is really highly rated and uh, as stuff is being thrown at Josh here, I really think that the bear might be something that a lot of people might want to look into, but yeah, the bear is one of those under the radar hits, I think for the, for FX. And I think that when the Hulu Disney plus, merger finally happens where it's a one-stop shop later this year i think a show like the bear is going to take really a lot of good advantages from it as far as people more many more eyes on it than what was really uh first anticipated oh absolutely and you know what else is i'm really looking forward to is um justified city i think it's city of angels or city of demons one of the two but the new justified show looks really cool yeah, just a justified city primeval, I think. It's city called. primeval, yeah, but yeah. that one's also on. I think it's on Hulu, right? Because Hulu's yes. now on FX, or FX yes. is now on Hulu. So yeah, yes. also looks very good. Before we check on out here, though, I want to ask you: Have you and the kids been watching the new Demon Slayer episodes? No, it's really hard to get get a hold. Of. That's on, that's on Hulu, correct? It's on Crunchyroll. It's on Crunchyroll. See, that's again that that's been hard, but. I will get my daughter up to speed on it. She's she was such a huge fan, but I guess the you know what with what happened with COVID and and you know that that kind of delayed things. It kind of like uh, it didn't disinterest her from Demon Slayer, but it kind of waned her interest on it. You know, and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe like you said, a new season of episodes that maybe she and I can check out will get her back into it. Yeah, it's a very well done anime series, and it's not one of those ones that overstays its welcome. Mm-hmm. And the story is very captivating. So, yeah, definitely check those out. It's on Crunchyroll. You can get a free preview of Crunchyroll. I think it's like 14, 15 days. And, uh, you know, you'll have access to all those. But, yeah, definitely check it out. A lot of a lot of great things on TV recently. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well, my friend. It is, of course, Demon Slayer. So I'm looking forward to checking out. And The Bear on FX, which will also be on Hulu. So, Go ahead and check out those great shows today. Looking forward to catching up with it. And if you have any thoughts 
please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, got just a few minutes left in our show. Truly appreciate you stopping by. It's Josh Peterson, a.k.a. Josh the Legend, the 16th of the Happy Hoarder. And also as well, me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. But before we head on out, I set some time aside so you can explain this to me, my friend. I've told you before that one of the best jobs I've ever had was when I was running game stores in the year 2007, 2008 uh, for Game Crazy, which was mm -hmm. a competitor to GameStop. And uh, it was aligned with Hollywood Video. And we all know what happened to both of those companies as far as that's concerned with the video era dying a, a very big death with uh, the advent of Netflix and streaming video and all that. But I wanted to go ahead and tell you that at the time I was selling all those uh, great things at the store, no, little did I know that they would just increase in value for, for a great deal of it exponentially, which seemingly has me mad to this day about what I should have saved and what, what I should have traded in or sold, which kind of uh, irks me out. But one of the things is that I handled on a regular basis was the dying days of the GameCube which at that time was thought of as an afterthought with the Wii popularizing itself at that point in time. The GameCube was the predecessor that nobody really cared about at that time. And the games with it were like very low in value. The system itself was very low in value. Well, lo and behold, over a decade later, after the final games have been made for the GameCube, and the GameCube in the collecting community, as everything in the video game community and industry spiked heavily during uh, COVID and that type of area at around 2019, 2020, 2021. Along with it, not only was the GameCube revived as far as a brand or as far as an interest, it has grown as far as the value of it in many of its games and its systems exponentially itself of any of the systems from the past, whether it's the Genesis, NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64, Dreamcast, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever, seems to me that the GameCube is getting more love than ever from collectors. I've seen it all over YouTube. I've seen it all over as far as, uh, you know, on the websites. Price charting has, has just increased value on GameCube. What makes the GameCube so endearing to collectors now? So it's funny because even before COVID, like GameCube games were relatively expensive. But yeah, with the mixture of COVID and... They weren't um, in my time when I was selling them. I can tell you that for sure. Right, right. But then you had, you know, like you said, you had COVID and then you had the uh, that, co that sealed copy of Mario 64 that sold for some ridiculous number in the millions of dollars. Yes. And that, I think those two things combined brought a lot of attention to the GameCube. And from that point on, that has created this new wave of set collectors. So people who are collecting the set of GameCube or Nintendo 64 or whatever. And then you add on to that the fact that Nintendo has become sacred ground, right? Ever since the WADA grading community has flourished, you have that compacting all of that so there's a lot of elements working in favor of the gamecube and there's also just the fact that with gamecube games they didn't make as many of each game as they did with like the xbox 360 and the playstation 2 playstation 4 uh, xbox one because you see you know a lot of the the games that the the value of games is usually based on like how many copies are in circulation yeah. and gamecube does not have a lot of copies 
of each of the games in circulation. It's like, a little sure over can... 20 million GameCube systems were sold worldwide. Right, when, exactly. Before it discontinued in 2007. Yeah, and there's so only so many of them. And as, you know, like we said, COVID and all that good, not good stuff, but, you know, all that stuff happened. You have more and more GameCube consoles and games being taken off of the market and, you know, kept in private collections. So that's creating a scarcity for it and that is also causing the value of these games to go up so sure yeah you can find them on ebay but as unless people start selling off their collections here soon which you know usually happens game collecting is very cyclical but you're going to see less and less of these games on the market as the years go on like you can already go on and find you know computer games from the the 80s and 90s are hard to find you know you'll find where like an xbox game you can find 10 pages of listings for it a microsoft ms ms dos game whatever you'll look you'll look at it you only see maybe like two or three listings if you're lucky for them and that i think is the territory that the gamecube uh stuff is heading into like even nintendo 64 a lot of that stuff's getting hard to find too well, it's interesting because, you know, I see a lot of them now these days. Like, I'm looking through our, our good friends at Retro City Games. You go through their catalog or the just their social media, and you see, for instance, the graded games. Some of the most valuable graded games they have are GameCube games. Some of the most valuable or some of the most watched or interested posts that they make are on GameCube. And it's just, you know, as far as the numbers of people actually reviewing it and looking at it, you know, one of their biggest posts ever that they ever made was a couple of weeks ago. And this is talking about their entire history. They've been now open, not 10 years, mind you, but seven, eight years already. Mm-hmm. The, one of their biggest posts of all time was when they got in over 500 Nintendo GameCube games and they put that on display together. I know because my nephew just bought a couple of them off that stack. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend, because the demand for Nintendo GameCube, you see all these YouTube collectors that are now, that's so much a part of the scene in the YouTube uh, industry right now, as far as video game collectors going to, whether it's, uh, you know, pawn shops or, or thrift stores or Goodwills or whatever, trying to look for GameCube games because of the value that they have. It's just amazing to see how much of a, beloved system now that it is more so than it ever was during its entire tenure that it was alive yeah i mean it's definitely interesting and as they're disappearing from the market you're seeing this hysteria being built up around it like oh my gosh if i don't get this now i'll never be able to own it so i i think that's a big a big factor same thing with sega saturn games like those are slowly becoming more and more scarce because people people want them like there's a fear of not being able to find them anymore it's just interesting to see this demand over a system that i I couldn't get rid of i couldn't Mm -hmm. give away in 2007 i seriously could not give it away because again it was a system that was actually already out the door in 2007 so it's just amazing to see what kind of reception it's getting now yeah hey but wait though i mean look at 10 years from now right it'll probably we're moving into this all digital future which i'm not a big fan of as i've said before but really i've never um, heard you say that (laughs) i will not go silently but you look at this and i guarantee you that even the lowest grade of xbox 360 games will be valued at at least ten dollars I think the 360 is getting more love from collectors right now than the original Xbox per se, which is kind of disappointing to me. I know the Xbox 360 is, you know, a great system and actually turned out to be a much better system than than people thought. Uh, Red Rings of Death aside, of all the systems in the past 20 years that is not getting any love, but I believe should get some love, I think the original Xbox is the one I think that's getting the least amount of love, and I'm kind of disappointed by that. Yeah, but I mean, it's only a matter of time. Like game collecting is very cyclical. Like Sega Genesis was hot for a while. GameCube, anything Nintendo will always be desired. But, you know, there's Sega Saturn. PS1 games were valued very highly for a while. Some of them still are. I think that the original Xbox will have its time in the sun. You just got to wait. Okay. 
But speaking of GameCube, head on over to happyhoardercollectibles.com. Go ahead and pick up Over the Hedge, please, for, for Josh. It's my yeah. last GameCube game left. Please go ahead and let us know why. Your thoughts on why the GameCube is now so popular amongst collectors at PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But my friend, before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and give you plenty of time to give everyone an update on what's going on with the Happy Hoarder. You talked about your newest venture for the Happy Hoarder. A lot of great stuff going on. People got to keep up, especially if they want some good things and good collectibles from the Happy Hoarder. That's right. Well, as always, you can follow us on social media. Every like counts because that helps us get into conventions, especially the bigger ones. But we just started streaming on Whatnot. You can follow us at Happy Hoarder Collectibles and always check out the website at www.happyhoardercollectibles.com. And I'm going to be, I know I said this last time, but I'm in the process of working on a pre-order section on the website so you can pre-order the newest Funko Pops, Marvel Legends, DC Multiverse stuff. If you follow the social media pages, that's the best place to see what we're up to. We started doing some unboxing videos. We got some Bandai Union Arena Demon Slayer cards in. So I have a video of my kids opening a couple packs of those, kind of seeing what's inside. Yeah, definitely check us out. Any type of support you can give is great, whether that's just a follow on social media or a purchase on the website. We're incredibly grateful for any of it. Absolutely. And they can go ahead and check it out today. I am checking out right now. HappyHoarderCollectibles.com. You go ahead and find all the things that you want to go ahead and find in the world of pop culture and collectibles, action figures, comic books, video games, trading cards, and even some DVD and Blu-ray, which what's the market like for DVD and Blu-rays? It seems to be mixed. I mean, depending on the movie or TV show that you're looking for, it seems to be where for every one thing that hits with collectors, there's probably a hundred that just don't seem to matter. Right. Yeah. So for DVDs and Blu-rays, I've told myself I will only carry superhero stuff because people always want to see that stuff. And I try to keep my prices below, you know, what an Amazon Prime rental would cost. Anime is something that always sells, though. Like I got seasons of Dragon Ball that, you know, I've, I've been selling like it's going out of style. If you ever find one of my favorite shows from this century... MXC, which appeared on Spike TV oh, early in the yeah. decade, earlier in the century, those are known to be extremely valuable. So if you find any when you're out and about rummaging through or looking for that next deal, I'll just give you a heads up, my friend and everybody out there. MXC is something that's really valued, and you know, even though you could catch it today, there's actually even a uh, one. I guess what's one of the Tubi channels or one of the channels that if you have all those extra 100, 200 extra free channels, whatnot, there's actually a devoted MXC channel or and even a Twitch channel to MXC. Doesn't matter if you, you find the DVD or Blu-ray of it, it's extremely valuable. So I wanted to give you a heads up on that, my friend. So That's exactly what we need more MXC. Oh, man, I tell you what, talk about politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, I was actually catching some some episodes on Freebie. Freebie, that's the one that that is also on as well. And it's you know it just reminded me of some good times and how yes, how politically incorrect it is, but how funny it is at times. It, and it reminds me of the best of Wipeout. If, if mm -hmm. everybody loved Wipeout, but it actually took it a step further as far as the comedy is concerned. So yeah. Yeah. Give that a shot. You know, always a great thing to see if you're if you put the politically incorrect stuff aside, you can go ahead and check it out and 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 enjoy it and let us know your thoughts right here at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But my friend, a great episode. But any last thoughts before we head on out? You know, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to the holiday season as we get more games coming out, more movies. As far as pop culture is concerned, like it's gonna be a crazy stretch from here to the end of the year so i don't think there's going to be any downtime when it comes to that but uh yeah it was fun being back in the multiverse absolutely great to have you here my friend don't worry everyone melinda's going to be back on the multiverse next week who knows she might even be on the cosmos she might switch places with josh for next week as well so she might end up being on the monday show depending on when i can catch up to her so we'll see what happens but josh great to have you here my friend as always pop culture cosmos is nothing without you my friend 
Well, I appreciate it. It's been it's been quite the ride through the cosmos over the years. Absolutely, indeed, and I hope many more years to come for both of us right here in the pop culture cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.